This is Unfortunate History. What's up, everybody? You're listening to Unfortunate History. This is Cody Pennington, and with me, as always, is Greg Skinner. How you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm doing good. How about you? Not doing too bad. It's been a cool week. It's been a good week. I feel like the world's looking up a bit this week. Well, not for you. <laughs> the only way is up, really, from how it's been. I suppose <laughs> the only so, way yeah. is up. I feel like the last couple of episodes, the intros have been so negative. I'm like, let's go into this. I want this podcast to be an escape for people. You know, I don't want people to come in and be like, oh, it's unfortunate history, but we have to be really, really sad the whole time. Like, <laughs> no, come into our podcast with good expectations, you know? <laughs> I'm already like, hmm, well, not really. Like, <laughs> things could be better. Like, you should pray warm me. That means to be a happy podcast. We are a happy podcast, damn it. That we cover cool shit, and we're two buddies that get get the chance to hang out with each other, even though it's over the internet. <laughs> so yep. you know, yep. life is what you make of it. <laughs> life is what you make of it. Just like our podcast, you know, it could be an award winning podcast if you listeners make it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Tell your friends. For the love of God, let we know we can't do shout. Well, I decided we need to stop doing shout-outs at the beginning of the episodes. We need to leave those to the end credits. At the beginning, we're just like, fucking share, fucking share, fucking share. <laughs> we need money. <laughs> oh, God. I feel like today is going to be a fun day. because we. Not, I'm not, I won't say that we're covering something fun, but this is an important episode in our podcast's journey to becoming what it should be. Because today... Listeners, we will be covering our first female. Oh my god! So so forward, which we probably should have done a little earlier, but better late than never. And I think we'll be starting with a good story. And although it's a bit from more recent history, because um, this particular moment in history completely rocked the early '90s, and it actually caused the world to start really taking a look at domestic violence. So it's a pretty important episode. I thought you said it was a more lighthearted one. <laughs> okay, trust me. There are details in this episode that are lighthearted, and I will laugh. <laughs> I will laugh very hard. I, 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 during my research, I was laughing quite a bit. Okay. But there are serious parts to this episode, and I want to make a quick disclaimer right now to tell people that if we laugh at something in this episode, we are not trying to disparage any victims, and we will never try to make fun of any victims of any sort of issue uh, whether it be domestic violence like we'll be covering today or any sort of tragedy, that sort of thing. But some parts of this story are funny. <laughs> Just There are some parts that are funny, but obviously there are other parts that are more serious. But, you know, mm -hmm. but today's episode, we'll be covering Lorena Bobbitt. Lorena Bobbitt, I know nothing. That's so great. And I know some of the listeners out there are like, are like when they heard the name, they're like, oh my gosh, I know, I know, I know this person. I know, I know this. Greg knows nothing, and he's going to... I don't, gonna... <laughs> my head. I don't. That's I, amazing. I'm sure, I, I, I recognize the name, or I recognize the name, but when it comes to details, if, if, if you'd asked me before this who Lorena Bobbitt was, I'd be like, I don't know, a singer in the 70s or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, she was not. It might, it might come to me, but we'll see. We'll see. Now, I won't say outright what happened to and because of Lorena Bobbitt just yet, because... I'd rather it be a surprise for the listeners that may not have heard about her up to this point, and obviously Greg, mm -hmm. which is kind of odd, but like Greg said, most people have at least heard the name. We'll obviously get into the incident in a moment, but first, I want to put a little disclaimer out there that this episode will discuss domestic violence. 
So if you're someone that may not be comfortable hearing about domestic violence issues, I'd invite you to listen to some of our other episodes instead. However, it's also important to say that, at least in my opinion, there was some form of justice served for the domestic violence received in this particular situation. We'll get Greg's opinion towards the end of the episode. <laughs> Just like always, but I feel <laughs> extra blind going into this one. With everything else, I, I feel like I've, I have at least a basic grasp of what the story is when you tell me. Mm. This one, I, I honestly couldn't tell you what the story is. Again, recognize the name, don't know the story. That's all. Well, you're in for a treat. Not necessarily <laughs> a treat. Again, we are not going to disparage domestic violence victims. So please take that forward, especially when you start to leave us a review. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Lorena Bobbitt was born Lorena Leonor Gallo in Bucay, Bucay, Ecuador, in October 1970. She grew up in Caracas, Venezuela, with two younger siblings, and her father worked as a dental technician, and the family led a pretty middle-class lifestyle. Now, once Lorena turned 15 for her quinceañera, which is the party, obviously, uh, South American families have when a woman matures and meets adulthood when she turns 15. It's called a quinceañera. Now, for her quinceañera, she was given a trip to the United States. During this trip, Lorena fell in love with the United States, and she wanted to live in the country. Her family, however, was not able to immigrate to the U.S. But in 1987, Lorena obtained a student visa. To work her way through schooling, she took a job as a nanny, then later at a nail salon. Now, after about a year, the person who is very important to the story came into her life. Lorena then met John Bobbitt at a military enlisted club. John was a U.S. Marine at the time, and Lorena was in community college in Virginia. John was actually Lorena's first boyfriend, and the two were married a year later on June 18, 1989. Lorena was 20, and John was 22 at the time. Oorah, Marines! Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's what they all do. <laughs> That's not what we did in Air Force. Air Force, it was, huh? <laughs> it was literally just, huh? <laughs> that, what, that's an actual thing? That is an actual thing, yeah. Oh, really? So you're not gullible in me again? No, 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 that's true. I've, I will I will probably gullible you throughout, you know, uh, maybe even this episode, but that was true. We did do, huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're going to go through the Bobbitt's relationship from this point. And this is where the real meat of the story comes in. We're going to work our way up through a particular incident, and then we're going to discuss the aftermath of that particular incident. Okay. Now, according to Lorena, John became very violent with her a few weeks after their wedding. She states that they were driving home from a bar, and John was allegedly driving dangerously. When she voiced her disapproval of this, she states that John hit her. And from this point on... Lorena states that their relationship continued being abusive, with John hitting her and then eventually raping her regularly. And at one point in their marriage, Lorena actually became pregnant. She states that John forced her to get an abortion and further states that while at the clinic, he taunted her about how the procedure would kill her. John denies this and states that the decision to abort was mutual. Now, you're going to see a lot of this. You're going to see a lot of claims from both people, and you're going to see a lot of claims back at the other person claiming that they're wrong. That happens throughout this entire story. So try to keep it straight, but it's confusing. That was getting pretty dark very quickly. I know. He turned into a piece of shit so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say Marines, because obviously I have a lot of, I have Marine friends and stuff from being in the military, but 
I do also know some military members that that could do with a little bit of anger management classes. Is that a thing, is it? <laughs> but we're going to withhold judgment on either party right now. Towards the end of the episode, we'll we'll discuss our thoughts, I think, on the entire situation uh, about the Bobbitt's marriage and that sort of thing. Okay. Now, in 1991, John kind of went further down the rabbit hole after he separated from the Marines. And for some reason, Lorena's nail salon worker salary became the couple's only source of income. I'm not entirely sure as to why John didn't or couldn't get a job at this point, but this led to Lorena stealing from her employer to keep up with the mortgage payments for the home that they had purchased the year prior. Not to blame either side in the issue, but John's decision to leave the Marines at this time was a terrible decision. However, I actually couldn't find any information on his discharge, so I'm not sure if he was voluntarily or involuntarily discharged, or if the discharge was honorable or dishonorable. If he did choose to separate from the Marines, it was a terrible time to do so, obviously. <laughs> he can't really win, can he? So if he leaves the Marines off his own back, you're like, that's an awful idea, why would you do that? If he gets dishonorably discharged... He's still done something wrong. He's still, a, he's still yeah. a piece of shit. So we don't really know what circumstances he left the Marines, but we do know that he left the Marines. Um, and there's mm -hmm. no information about his discharge. So it, I would assume it was probably honorable and it was his choice. After separating from the Marines, I believe that John went on to work as a bouncer, but he didn't make enough money to have a steady paycheck coming into the household. Mm -hmm. Now, apparently, throughout this time period, police were called to the Bobbitt's home on multiple occasions. Once in 1991, John pleaded not guilty to assault and battery, although these charges were dismissed because he went to counseling. However, John stated that it was actually Lorena being belligerent towards him. He states that she was extremely jealous and would hit him constantly, and he would only ever hit her in self-defense. And it's worth noting that the couple's neighbors had seen bruises on Lorena previously. There were multiple stories of abuse between the couple, and someone in the trial actually stated that the two were absolutely made for each other. <laughs> it seems like it was claimed that there was damage coming from both sides, but uh, it's all hearsay, and that's one of the biggest issues with domestic issues like this. It's all hearsay. Yeah, I reckon it, it sounds so far that these two were generally just kicking the shit out of each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, uh, we'll keep our opinions for the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. um, but at this point, you can see that it's obviously an unhealthy relationship, at the very least. Now, John also claimed that he planned to divorce Lorena, which upset her due to the fact that she would lose her green card and would be unable to become a U.S. citizen. Although Lorena states that the marriage was not just for a green card, and she actually stated that she was swept off her feet by John, which if you Google John... I kind of would consider a lie because he is not a good looker. <laughs> Either way, the marriage seems to be, at the very least, a little emotional. Just, just, just a touch. There's like a sprinkling of emotion and a, just fury coming from this relationship at one another. Yeah. Well, now we're making our way to the night in question. This is the time when things went a bit downhill, but you can obviously <laughs> see that there was a pattern leading up to certain things. They were obviously getting more and more volatile towards each other. From both sides, it is claimed. Mm -hmm. Now, on June 23rd, 1993, Lorena alleges that her husband came home from work drunk. She then states that he sexually assaulted her and then fell asleep. Lorena got up from the bed and went to the kitchen. That's where she saw a knife. And it's debated what the length of the knife was. It's like so many different 
people have debated whether the knife was seven, eight, or 12 inches in length. It literally everywhere gives different lengths, but it's one of those seven, eight, or 12. It's, I don't know. It's still a knife. It's a, it's a pretty <laughs> it'll, large knife. It'll go in. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly, yeah. Now, she returned to the bedroom and stood over her sleeping husband with the knife. She pulled back the sheets. And John claims that Lorena began to play around with him. And in his mind, she was trying to arouse him while he was sleeping. And he felt a pull, a yank, and then a very sharp pain. Lorena had severed her husband's penis off completely. I know this story now. <laughs> as soon as the penis came off, I recognized where I know the name. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Rough stuff. Rough stuff. It is rough stuff. Fuck. Okay. I was, no, I was just, it's just that flooding of memory of what this was just as soon as that bit came up. I remember my mother telling me about this when I was four or five. Apparently, I think I had heard the word castration. Because it was around that time, wasn't it? It was getting thrown around quite a bit. And I was like, when is at that? At the age of four or five. Yeah. <laughs> well, at this time I was, what, uh, 93, I was uh, two or three. But a few years later, she would have told me, you know, it's where you cut off your penis. I'm like, mom, I'm five. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> now, getting the penis cut off completely, it's pretty crazy. I mean, that that's, mm. but I have to say that the next bit of information is hilarious to me and I'm so sorry but it, it was so it was very funny when I was researching it I was laughing quite hard now after cutting off her husband's penis Lorena then left the home knife and penis still in hand <laughs> jewel wielding a Kimbo style <laughs> and she drove off now John woke up a guest that was staying with them and he calmly asked him to take him to the emergency room and on the way, John supposedly said, they better be able to make me a new penis. <laughs> <laughs> now, he arrived at the emergency room, and the police were called. John was told by a microsurgeon that if they weren't able to locate the severed penis, that John would have to have the nub sutured closed, and his urethra would have to be redirected in a way that he would have to sit to pee for the rest of his life, which isn't necessarily funny. Uh, but the next bit is pretty funny. <laughs> okay, go. Now, after responding to the hospital, the police set out to find the missing member. <laughs> they first went to the Bobbitt's home. They searched the entire home to find it. Police on the scene searched in the sink, the freezer, the dishwasher, and the garbage disposal. One of the crime scene technicians was even told that it was suspected that Lorena had swallowed the penis. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing's good about that. Oh, my God. Now, Lorena, at this time, had been at the same hospital having a rape kit performed because she obviously had claimed that she had been sexually assaulted that night. At the urging of one of her friends, she ended up telling the police that she remembered while she was driving, she actually threw some things out the window of her car into a field. She thought that the penis just might have been one of those things she threw, but she couldn't be sure. <laughs> Coke can, Burger King wrapper, penis, like all out the window. So the police sent a large search party to the field and they began searching. Now, it was found in this field, but as it's reported, none of the officers wanted to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> That's gay! 
that's gay. <laughs> one of the sergeants on the scene, and I believe he was in charge of the scene, one of the sergeants, Sergeant William Hurley, who was described as being very religious, was asked where the penis was. Hurley pointed to the penis, but would not get near it. <laughs> Apparently, he had also stepped on the penis when gesturing to it with his foot. <laughs> <laughs> now, a volunteer firefighter named Mike Perry was the one to pick it up. So the penis was then taken to a nearby service station and placed on ice inside a hot dog bag. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been an awkward mix-up. <laughs> Can you imagine if they had replaced it with an actual hot dog? <laughs> A big Frankfurt. Oh, God. I'm sorry. It's so funny. I know it's crazy. It's a terrible situation, but it's so funny. And even, even, okay, there's even a documentary, a recent documentary from last year on Amazon Prime, which we'll mention a little bit later. There's a one on Lorena Bobbitt called Lorena, and both Lorena Bobbitt and John Bobbitt are both in the um, in the documentary, and even Lorena starts cracking up. All of the people that are telling the story of this this particular story, all of the people are cracking up on the documentary. <laughs> it's just John there, like solemnly looking. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's bad, but later on in the story, we'll 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 give our like I said, we'll give our thoughts. <laughs> I gotta collect myself. That is just so. F- that is so funny to me. That is so funny. I can just imagine they're like, ew, ew, no. <laughs> I just say the, the one like closeted gay firefighter. Like, I got it. I got it. I got it. Oh god, the mouth is more sterile than the hands. <laughs> <laughs> the anus more so than that. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Okay. Now, the appendage was then rushed to the hospital and given to the surgeon. Just in time, actually. Luckily for John, the penis was able to be reattached after a nine and a half hour surgery. Although, I think it probably doesn't look quite right. But I don't know. Would it not be like bent? I've got a vision of it just being like like a, bo- like a, a boomerang penis. Like or... you can piss around a corner? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Or they did it up. They just put it back on upside down. (laughs) (laughs) It's like balls, head, shaft (laughs) in that order. God, I got to stop. I can't. I got to get through this story. Well, as you can imagine, there was an enormous trial following this. And it was the toast of the town. People literally could not stop talking about this case. <laughs> and like even Greg said, he even recognized it from just the castration. He instantly recognized who Lorena Bobbitt was. The trial was huge, and it became the talk of really the world. Every news channel was covering it. Every newspaper had an article. What, what year was this? 1993. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of other massive things that could have happened around that time that would have been overshadowed, overshadowed by... A lost penis. I don't know. A lost and then recovered penis. <laughs> I don't know, honestly, because, I mean, this whole thing, especially in America, all the late night talk show hosts, they would always tell jokes about this. Oh, yeah. There were so many people talking about it. Like, they would even bring on Lorena to interview and be like, well, why did you hold on to it? Why didn't you just drop it? <laughs> it became such a big thing. And it became more of like a just a running joke of just, oh, my God, this is, this is absolutely nuts. This whole case is nuts. But... 
you know, people were just interested in it. At the end of the day, a dude still got his cock chopped off. He did. Imagine how horrifying that is. Yeah, it's 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 pretty difficult. There is actually a one, um, I don't remember what show it is, but um, John and his brothers, I believe it is, are all being interviewed on this sh- on this talk show. And his brothers are just saying, you know, she did the worst thing they could ever do to a man and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, good lord. <laughs> it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Well, as you can also imagine, further to the trial being a huge ordeal, there were also criminal charges. Now, actually, both John and Lorena were both charged with crimes. So there were two trials happening very close to each other. A criminal trial against John Bobbitt for the rape and assault of Lorena, and another criminal trial against Lorena for her castration of John. Now, (laughs) we'll talk about both of the trials, because I love talking about you know, legal stuff. I love it. Yeah. It gets me going. I'm just, I'm, I'm just visioning like you've just had your penis cut off and reattached and then you're still getting taken to court and then I'm like, okay, it was technically a sexual assault so he deserves it but I was like... <laughs> well, we'll leave our opinions to the end after the story yeah, comes out. Yeah. But um, there were a lot of domestic violence groups calling for John to be charged with some sort of offense because I think at the very beginning he wasn't charged with anything. The district attorney decided to not charge him. But then with the pressure from the groups, they ended up charging him. And they actually wanted to charge him with marital rape, which apparently held a sentence of life in prison in Virginia. What? Okay, that made me sound then as if to say rape's fine. It shouldn't it doesn't deserve life in prison. But in comparison to what people actually get, that's big. You know, in the legal sense of the issue, not in the personal sense, the legal sense of the issue, it's very harsh. It is very harsh. Mm. But in the personal sense, obviously you think he should be sent to a guillotine if you rape your wife or or if you rape your husband. So marital rape is more harshly punished than normal rape. Well, it's because to prove marital rape it's incredibly difficult. There has to be certain conditions met. I don't exactly remember which conditions were. I think it was they have to be separated and there have to have been visual damage caused to the victim. Haven't people just claimed rough sex from that? Isn't that, isn't that a thing? Like? <laughs> it's very difficult to prove. It's hard mm-hmm. as hell to prove in a case, in a, in a court. So I would assume that not very many people got charged with marital rape. And actually, John wasn't charged with marital rape. They wanted to charge him with that. But they then decided to charge him with uh, malicious assault. So that's also, back to that marital rape thing about how hard it is to get convicted, that must be terrifying for women in a legit abusive relationship. (laughs) Yeah, it must be very difficult, of course. Well, if we have any listeners that happen to be going through something like that, please try to find uh, help. I mean, there are a lot of organizations that help domestic violence victims and that sort of thing. So, I mean, I, I would urge you to try to get out of something like that. I know it's difficult to break out of something, a domestic violence. It's very difficult to just get out of it. I mean, mm. it's, it's hard for victims to do that, but I would hope that they reach a point where they can go and, and get the help and get out of it. Because obviously the legal system in that particular instance, it may not be on your side. You know, at the moment, mm. it may not be, uh, not in this situation that uh, somebody may currently be in. So I don't know. Now, in John's case, the jury was instructed by the judge to disregard any of the things John had allegedly done more than five days prior to the event. This was apparently due to certain Virginia laws, and I was not able to find this specific law. I don't believe it's a current law, but I think I can shed some light on the reasoning behind this. 
See, this is obviously my opinion on the matter, and it may or may not be fact, um, but it seems to me that the judge in John's case only wanted the case against John to be based on the things he had allegedly done to Lorena in the immediate past of the incident. So the prosecution would not be able to pile on an enormous amount of accusations against John in an attempt to justify cutting off his penis. (laughs) Um, So they basically just only allowed them to use information from the last five days, um, which led up to the incident. How much can you do in five days? Well, apparently John could do a lot. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I'm not really 100% sure on why they wouldn't allow you to use more information about his past, his history. But it's an interesting point of law, actually, in this particular case. Uh, If they're saying you can only use things that happened within the last week, the last five days or so, at this time, this was likely the law. However, I think this is actually a bit outdated because today, nowadays, studies show that women commit offenses against life, like assault, manslaughter, murder, what have you, in different ways than men. One thing that has been seen in studies, and more recent somewhat, uh, is the slow burn effect. And in general, this idea is that women are more likely to build up the urge to hurt somebody over time, as opposed to killing someone or hurting someone in an instant crime of passion. And a lot of times, this slow burn comes from domestic abuse. This can actually be used as a murder defense. (laughs) What, the slow burn defense? (laughs) The slow burn effect, yeah. It's because, especially for women that are in domestic situations, they may not feel like they could fight back against somebody that might be bigger than them or Mm -hmm. that has so much control over them. So over time, they end up just getting beaten down so much that one day they just snap and it just turns into something. So they use all of that information from their past to say, this created the slow burn effect, as opposed to men where it was a defense. I don't know if it is still today. I don't believe it is. I didn't do criminal law, but um, I do believe that it was a defense that they could claim like adultery as being just a huge, like they lost control. It's a loss of control defense where they, if their wife cheated on them and they kill them right then, then it's not necessarily murder. It might be manslaughter because they just lost control. (laughs) It's a heat of the moment thing. So obviously that's very different from a woman who's been beaten down for years and slowly builds to the point where she's had enough and has to kill somebody to get out of it. It's, it also does something to you like mentally, Obviously, if you get to the point where you just can't take any more and your mind does, doesn't even know it, mm-hmm. it doesn't know what it's going to do and it just does it, then that can be a valid defense to killing somebody. I suppose it's the kind of the same argument, but at polar opposites ends like, yeah, like you lose control, basically. You snap. It's just under what circumstances do you lose the control? Mm-hmm. Um, but in John's particular case, I don't really know the thinking behind the judge. I don't really know the thinking behind the law. I, I Maybe it's to give a fair share of of that particular instance. Maybe they say like his assault from that point may not have been as I don't know. I really don't know what the point <laughs> is behind that. I couldn't find the law. I don't think it's current anymore. So I don't know. Now, so since the prosecution could not rely on John's alleged past actions, they had to go off his actions that night of the incident and then the five days prior. Now Lorena claimed that on the Friday night previous. John actually had raped her and told her that he enjoyed forced sex afterwards, which multiple people attested to hearing John say, not at that particular moment, but multiple people did say that they heard John saying he liked brutal sex, quote unquote. Now, Lorena also said that she had consensual sex with him the morning after, 
And when she was questioned why she had consented to sex after being raped the night before, she claimed that she was just scared that he would rape her anyways if she didn't consent. Hmm. Now, on the night of the incident, Lorena said that John woke up and forced her to have sex, like we said earlier. This allegedly pushed her over the edge, causing her to cut John's penis off. She states that he ripped her underwear off, and this underwear was actually used as evidence in the trial. Now, John stated that he and Lorena had consensual sex that night, and that he remembers sliding her underwear off, with his feet specifically. His lawyer also brought in an expert who tried to recreate the ripping of the underwear in a similar way. I don't know what kind of expert that would be. (laughs) But the expert stated that he was absolutely unable to do it. He could not recreate the rip without actually using a pair of scissors to cut a piece of the underwear first. Otherwise, the rip just did not work in the exact same way, no matter how many times he tried it. The defense also argued that Lorena had driven from the home after the incident and was driving to her place of work to the nail salon. They claimed that she drove to the salon and then cut her underwear herself. Then, I suppose, returned the underwear while John was at the hospital. That Those details are a bit fuzzy. Mm. However, with the expert witness for John and lack of evidence against him, John was actually acquitted on all charges after four hours of deliberation. And this jury wasn't biased... I mean, it was a collection of nine women and three men. (laughs) So it's probably fair to say that the prosecution's case against John just was not strong enough. Mm -hmm. It it does sound convincing for him so far. Well, at least it it does sound like there's not enough evidence against him. Mm. Now we're going to get to Lorena's trial, which happened a couple months after. Lorena was charged with malicious assault, and the trial began on January 10th, 1994, Apparently, there were autographed John Bobbitt t-shirts being sold with the proceeds going to Lorena for the defense fund. That, that's kind of a, a bit of a twist, wasn't it? But, um... Well, he wasn't doing it himself. Oh, oh, People would get the autographed shirts from him and then sell them <laughs> themselves, and then the money would go to their okay. defense fund. Yeah. This is just a toxic story, isn't it? It's a ridiculous story, yeah. Now, Lorena's jury consisted of seven women and five men. Now, during the opening statements, the prosecution argued that Lorena had known exactly what she was doing and that she had acted maliciously against John in cutting his penis off. Now, the defense, however, said that Lorena was a battered woman. Their argument was that Lorena felt that she was trapped in her marriage and couldn't escape the oppression from John. With this in mind, it was argued that Lorena juxtaposed her life with John's penis, (laughs) making it a symbol of the oppression she could not escape. So, severing this oppression would set her free, in a way. Mm. Now, the final sentence of the defense's opening statements was, quote, At the end of this case, you will come to one conclusion, and that is that a life is more valuable than a penis. (laughs) (laughs) Those are words... To put on your gravestone, man. <laughs> that is on tape. That is on film. You can Google that. That is on film with the defense lawyer saying it. And she's she says it very matter-of-factly and walks off. But I don't know if she meant to be funny or if I... Uh, maybe I'm a, an asshole for finding it funny, but the way she said it, that a, a life is more valuable than a penis, I'm like, well, yeah, I agree, but it's a funny thing to say. I, I found it funny. So, yeah, yeah I think... I generally think she she's like uh, she wrote that down and she's like yes mic drop yeah exactly finish and it was like she didn't think in what how long twenty five years I'll be two dudes on a podcast laughing at her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we're gonna get into some details that go against what Lorena said. Obviously, this whole thing is just full of conflicting details. Mm-hmm. 
Now, like I mentioned earlier, John denied the allegation of abuse and did so as well on the stand during the case. Mm-hmm. Lorraine had testified to all of the abuse she allegedly suffered from John. She also states that she did not remember severing John's penis. <laughs> to this, the prosecution quoted a police statement in which she had said to the police on that night, quote, he always have orgasm and he doesn't wait for me to have orgasm. He's selfish. I don't think it's fair. So I pulled back the sheets and I did it. <laughs> but, but <laughs> Lorena stated in the trial that she had only said that in the police report because that was what she had assumed had happened, but she couldn't remember. And they argued that you have to take into account her uh, language barrier. But it's a pretty it's a pretty colorful thing to say in a police report after you chop your husband's penis off. Yeah, like you know, he have orgasm, I never have orgasm. It's kind of you can read between the lines, can't you? You know what she's saying. I was just I was just thinking you just said like she forgot that she cut his penis off. That that's not something you just forget. Well, <laughs> a defense psychiatrist testified that Lorena suffered a brief quote reactive psychosis under which she attacked the instrument that was the weapon of her torture. That's quotes. But a prosecution psychiatrist responded by saying she did have a choice to make. She chose to amputate that penis. And as such, (laughs) we do not have an irresistible impulse, but an impulse that she just did not resist. (laughs) She amputated that penis. Yeah. (sighs) That's quotes. Now, the jury in this case, instead of four hours, they deliberated for six hours. And then they ultimately decided that Lorena had suffered from temporary insanity when she cut John's penis off. She was found not guilty on all criminal charges, and a male member of the jury actually stated, we didn't believe John Bobbitt. But the cock came off. <laughs> well, they believe that the cock came off. They just don't... What do you mean you don't believe John Bobbitt? He's okay. <laughs> they don't believe that... They don't believe his story that she was malicious in turn. So they didn't believe that John was that Lorena was as violent as John had made it out to be. Hmm. But also in John's trial, I think it was even stated that they didn't believe Lorena. So it's pretty hairy. It's a very ridiculous situation. Have we, have we just got two bullshitters? Is that what we're dealing with? <laughs> I mean, it might seem so. But under state law, Virginia state law, Lorena underwent five weeks of psychiatric examination in a mental hospital and was then released. Mm-hmm. She was then ordered to undergo further weekly treatment and to not leave Virginia. Now, at this point, Greg, who do you think was right in the situation? Now that you have pretty much the trial facts and that sort of thing, who do you think is actually right? That's a a tough one. You say it's a tough one, even though the guy had his dick cut off. So that shows you how difficult this case really was. Yeah. Because again, the the bloke in me just goes, but his cock, it came off. She cut it off. She's got to be wrong. But the jury but, was all on the side being like, ah, but he got it back. It's it's bad. It's bad. He got it reattached. <laughs> Get over it. It's fine. <laughs> kind of. There's no winners in this, I don't think. There's harder losers. I generally think John lost harder. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, you see, it's tough again. Do you think he deserved to lose harder? He, 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 he probably did, yeah. He probably did definitely deserve to lose harder. It seems like two very flawed sides, you know. Both, I don't think both. I think both were pretty shitty, if I'm being totally honest. But Well, yeah. Well, let's get into where they are now, and then I'll ask you again, yeah? Okay, go. Well, now, I'm sure the listeners are asking themselves, 
obviously, where the hell are they now? Or more likely, you're probably asking yourself, what exactly does John's penis look like? Well, <laughs> we're going to get into some of that right now. Not his penis, because obviously you can't see on the podcast, but we're going to get into where they are. Now, first, is it Googleable? It is Googleable. <laughs> first, we'll talk about Lorena. Now, following the trial, Lorena remained in Virginia. She worked a few different jobs to make money, including being a cosmetologist, administrative assistant, and a real estate agent. She accepted some money for certain interviews going um, on certain shows and that sort of thing in South America, and that. but she actually turned down a $1 million offer to pose nude in Playboy. Hmm. Hmm. I know. That's that's a pretty big, yeah, it's a pretty big flag in this particular situation. So let's keep that in mind. I'd pose nude in Playboy for a million. I would as well, yeah. <laughs> now, she also ended up becoming an advocate for victims of domestic violence. Then she remarried and had a daughter with her new husband. And she now has a documentary, the one that we mentioned earlier, called Lorena. And it's on Amazon Prime. And it's actually pretty good. One of the executive producers is Jordan Peele, who's always great. Mm. He finds a way to add humor into really dark things, which is why I think I found the, the documentary so funny. You, <laughs> you should watch it because it is very funny the way they do it. And I think that's Jordan Peele's production coming out. In that. Yeah, funny guy. Now, it's also worth mentioning that after the case in 1997, she was arrested and charged with assault on her mother although she was later acquitted of those charges. So I'm throwing more crazy details at you that are just completely making the thing more and more hairy. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you are. Now we'll get to John. And John, on the other hand, has lived a much more colorful life. After the trial, John was actually booked on a worldwide media tour called Love Hurts. <laughs> he also gained a following from Howard Stern, who took John's side during the issue. Howard Stern actually stated that he didn't believe John had raped Lorena because Lorena was, quote, too ugly. Okay. I think Howard Stern's an absolute dick for saying that. Yeah. Stern also assisted John with money for penis surgery in one of his annual televised events. I think it was a, like a like a New Year's Eve bash where they raised money for John, and it's really ridiculous. You can Google that as well, and you can watch it. John's just sitting there while people donate money, and then behind him they have a giant cock that keeps raising up <laughs> higher and higher as the money comes in. <laughs> And I think they ended up raising like $190,000 for John's uh, penis surgery, which is just ridiculous. Fucking hell. Now, further to that actual point about the penis surgery, John was said to have had penis enlargement surgery and then reduction surgery years later <laughs> to reverse some of the effects. Now, within months of the previously mentioned media tour, Bobbitt was engaged to a former topless dancer named Christina Elliott. However, in 94... John was arrested when Elliot called the police saying that he had assaulted her, hmm. reportedly throwing her against a wall. He pleaded not guilty and was released on bail awaiting trial. Now, before the trial, John announced that he had completely recovered from the incident, saying that, quote, it's like it was before. <laughs> he then found out he had a son by another woman named Beatrice Williams, although he did plead guilty to the paternity suit and claimed he was excited to be a father. Now, two months after finding out about his son... Elliot's trial against John commenced, and he was convicted of a misdemeanor for assault. The judge stated that Bobbitt had an attitude problem, quote-unquote, and sentenced him to 60 days in jail with 45 days suspended. The judge also ordered him to go to therapy and join Alcoholics Anonymous. 
Greg, what do you think after learning those facts about each of them? You've just confused me more, Cody. I don't know. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I think. Um, John, now at this point, especially at this point, he has a pattern. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I do agree with that. Like, yeah, John is clearly a violent piece of shit. Yeah, exactly. So I think, honestly, going from the this situation, going from the facts that we know from his later life, and we're not done with his later life, by the way. Uh, there's a bit more. But judging from those facts, he is still a piece of shit. And I'm not going to say he deserved to have his dick cut off necessarily, but he was a violent person. He may or may not have raped Lorena, but he was violent. So, so that's what I'm saying. Though. Like if, it was any, if he hadn't had his dick cut off, I'd be fully on the side. On, on, I'd be fully on the opposite side, you know what I mean? But the fact they cut his penis off, and he may, uh, he may not have actually done the rape. Now, Greg, are you saying that cutting off a penis is the equivalent to a get-out-of-jail-free card? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. It's a hard stance. <laughs> but I do think that is a big punishment to lose your car. It is a big... Well, he didn't lose it. He got it back. And he had it enlarged. He had it enlarged and shrank. He had that thing messed about more than Ron Jeremy. That thing's gonna... It will look fucked up. Yeah. Well, after all this, unlike Lorena's run-in with Playboy, John decided to accept a pornographic offer. He starred in a triple X-rated film with the title John Wayne Bobbitt Uncut, which was clever. (laughs) (laughs) It is clever. After starring in a porno, however, two years afterward, John was actually ordained as a minister of the University Life Church, which, coincidentally, is where I have been ordained since 2013. What, really? Have you? I have been, yeah. I'm, I am an ordained minister. <laughs> Just the same as Bobbitt. Well, we, I'm sure we are not in a class of our own. I'm pretty sure there's a few other <laughs> ministers at the University Life Church. Nope, but nope. It's just you and Bubba. It's just you and Halfcock. I was wondering why it wasn't. It was just him and me at the at the meeting. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, hey, Cody, you want to see something? And just just unzips his trousers. And nothing falls out because it's just <laughs> half gone. <laughs> what is that? It's that backwards penis. Is that nougat? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> Now, even with John's ordainment, John, unlike me, again fell into a life of debauchery. He took a job as a greeter at a brothel in Nevada, which I don't even understand how that would even work. Would he be a greeter? I feel like uh, he'd be more of a fluffer at a at a brothel, right? Bluffer. <laughs> 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 people come in and he just, oh, let me just grab, yeah, 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 yeah. Just make you look, looking a little lopsided there. Like, I don't know. I don't know how he would greet, like, a, like you're, like you're entering Walmart. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> hello, sir. How may we help you today? <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to check out our winter collection. What? <laughs> now, John also shows up in the Lorena documentary on Amazon Prime, which is really interesting to see. You actually see him i mean it's crazy that he even agreed to do it which he hasn't been on on film for a long time probably since his porno Mm -hmm. so that he probably needs the money anyways but it's really interesting to see both of them on screen and actually as a little bit of a treat lorena states that john also still sends her letters and valentines although she has stated she has no interest in rekindling their relationship (sighs) if someone cuts my cock off they're not getting a Valentine's off me. I'm just going to put that out there. How 
much <laughs> how obsessed <laughs> is he with her you know what i mean i don't I know think, i don't I think know. i could still i don't think i could still try to woo a someone that cut my dick off that's a pretty big statement to make <laughs> you know it's a pretty big statement that's a that's like that's definitive that's like yeah. that is divorce worthy definitive proof that they do not want to be with you <laughs> i have had enough of you and your shit you cannot get much more clear than that at all no What's he saying in like these letters? Like I've had it enlarged and shortened. That's how much better it is now than it was before. I, I took it. I put it back to how you like it. <laughs> <laughs> I reverted it back to the factory model just for you. Oh uh, man, this is this is a ridiculous story. This is an absolutely crazy story, and I know it's probably been very confusing to follow the facts, but I hope you listeners have enjoyed it, because that <laughs> is the story of Lorena, and we'll throw them in there, Lorena and John Bobbitt. The Bobbitts! The Bobbitts. I mean, absolutely incredible. And uh, you know what? No matter how you slice it, pun intended, <laughs> I, I think we can all agree that this entire situation was completely unfortunate. And the facts are impossible to determine with absolute certainty. Mm-hmm. But we do know two things. One, Lorena Gayu is not to be fucked with. And two, John Bobbitt likely still walks a bit funny. Absolutely. <laughs> Thumbs up to both those statements. <laughs> well, that's it, man. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Greg, what'd you think? It's nice to have a slightly more lighthearted one compared yeah. to our recent main episodes, but our main episodes has, have been a bit dark recently, have they? I mean, I mean, obviously, we they've been important. I think the Emmett Till, uh, the Emmett Till episode we did, people needed to hear that, and we have yeah. had a lot of good reviews from that. We've had a lot of people say that that they really uh, appreciated the episode and they felt that it was an important episode to be told. And I'm glad we were able to tell it, and I hope people enjoyed it. Uh, not enjoyed it, but I hope they gained something from it. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. We also gained a lot of stuff from our uh, Billy the Kid episode. People have been really liking that. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. And then actually the Twilight Zone episode that we just did, uh, the mini-sode, got, got a, um, some good feedback as well. So it looks like we're just, we just keep pumping them out, don't we? <laughs> keep pumping them out. Keep pumping them out. But yeah, it's nothing, there's nothing like an episode centered around a penis. It's yeah. really light in the mood. The penis of the century, <laughs> arguably. I mean, or the penis of the last three decades, maybe. As I said, do you really think it would have been penis of the century? Off the top of my head, I don't know that ma- that many groundbreaking penises, but I could guarantee. I think Rasputin had a... Well, Rasputin was reported to have had a large cock, but... Mm-hmm. Could know. that have been the most important cock of the century? Who knows? Well, it may have led to the start of World War One. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, what about Genghis Khan's cock? That's got to be a pretty important cock. I don't, I mean, I don't know if he... Yeah, I'm not saying it's a good cock, but it would have been an <laughs> important cock. We, this is not the <laughs> cock judging podcast, okay? Those guys are great. They're really cool dudes, but that's not us. <laughs> follow, follow my other podcast on the Unfortunate <laughs> Network. <laughs> right, this cock. <laughs> that's not a real thing. Don't search that. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we did have a lighthearted episode this time. Uh, we've got a mini-sode coming up for you in a couple of days that'll be really interesting, uh, that I find interesting, and then we're gonna we're probably going to dive into a pretty big topic after that, but we'll see. I'm not 100% sure yet, but we do have a lot of topics lined up. Some of them are quite graphic as well, so be careful listening to them. If they have the warning at the beginning, then you probably shouldn't listen to it if you're not good with handling murderous gory type details 
But if you'd like to follow the show, you can follow us at, well, you can go to unfortunatehistory.com and check out our new website. I've got all my show notes and scripts on there. With every episode I upload, or we upload, I upload all of the scripts and stuff and the information, so you can read along if you like. You can listen to the podcast right on our website, or you can go to our website and find the links to all the other podcast platforms, that sort of thing. It also has our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, at Unfortunate History, or on Twitter, at UnHistoryPod. If you want to follow me, just Google Cody Pennington, and you'll find me, I swear to God. And Greg, do you still want people to follow you? Because I think you, I think you should. Yeah, find find me at Jskin ninety three. Jskin ninety three, or just Greg Skinner on Facebook. That, That's you all know you what? need. Your Instagram handle has never had more purpose than in this episode. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking. Considering Jskin ninety three, and it's literally yeah. the same year of this unfortunate castration. Did John have a J skin on his on his castrated cock? Who knows? Well, we'll never know. There's, <laughs> there's too much information in this thing. We we will never be able to know if he had a G skin. I don't know. The listeners are <laughs> going to had a J skin. The listeners are going to okay. be wondering what what we mean by G skin. <laughs> it's just it's just my that's all it is is my Instagram handle. I didn't think it through and I haven't changed it. So whatever. Yeah, follow it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, But unfortunately, we got to go. So stay unfortunate. Stay unfortunate, guys. Ta-ra. Bye. Bye. Bye.